<laughs> you want your five star matches? <laughs> you want your thirty minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> Good ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. My name's Randall Beatley. We're going to dive right on in, and I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I said I'd be back Monday, um, but theoretically, I'm recording, I'm recording this technically at midnight on Monday, around midnight on Monday when this gets posted. Um, But I was thinking all day today, which is Sunday, that I'm recording about whether or not I wanted to go ahead and just do a separate episode reviewing Royal Rumble because there was a lot that happened and a and a lot that may happen on Raw and and I I didn't want one episode to be like 2 hours long while I review the Royal Rumble and then have to review Raw and these Raw reviews and the SmackDown reviews from last week I mean they were 45 minutes to an hour long just by themselves and so I really didn't want to have a you know hour and a half two hour episode because I waited to put off and so I made the decision to go ahead and do a separate um, video or excuse me different episode um, with my Royal Rumble uh, review uh, me and my opinions on the Royal Rumble, and I have a lot of them. All right, I have a lot of things to say about the Royal Rumble and what we saw on Saturday night. Um, and having you know about twenty four hours to essentially marinate on what we saw. Um, t- traditionally, the way I would normally have done this would be right after Royal Rumble. I would have recorded. Um, but I wanted to give, uh, some time to sit and marinate because my opinions last night when we ended the show are, have changed a little bit in the last 24 hours as I, you know, see other creators explaining things and, and giving their opinions. I can sort of build my opinion around their opinion and, and if it makes logical sense, right? So, so last night, my initial opinion of the show was that you know, for the most part, it was it was ass. Um, outside of the last main event and, and how it ended, um, and I'm glad I waited 24 hours to record this because my opinion has now changed on the uh, show as a whole. Now there were some down parts, and we're going to critique WWE and Triple H the same way I would critique any other company's show um and so there were some down parts during the show um and we'll talk about them as we get to them but for the most part I thought this was a very good Royal Rumble show a show as in the whole right I thought it was a very 
good show from start to finish. Um, there wasn't a single part of this show where I was just like, oh, this is boring. Um, with that being said, the two matches outside of Roman, Sammy, and the two Rumbles, the two matches that I basically said on my review, or excuse me, my preview show, and if you go to the Junkyard podcast by my brother James Beatley, um, he has it on YouTube, uh, Junkyard Media Group. Um, I was on his show, like I explained during my preview show, I would be on there. Um, so you can go watch the video or the audio. I think it's already up as well, the Junkyard Podcast about that, right? And as I said, in both of those, I had a feeling, you know, that the two other matches outside of the Bloodline storyline and the two Rumble matches, that the two sort of matches centered around Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, and Uncle Howdy, and, and all of that, that those were going to be the two parts that I didn't like the most. I already knew that coming in. So so the one word we can use about this, um, this show, about Royal Rumble 2023, is predictable. But predictable doesn't mean bad, right? Pre- being predictable does isn't mean that the show is bad. It just means that, um, well, for the most part, the fans are either picking up on the product better or, you know, because we have dirt sheets and because we have all of the rumors swirling around, right, that a lot of us understand what's going on. Predictable doesn't mean bad, um, especially, especially when it comes to the two Rumble matches. So we start the card with the men's Rumble match. Which makes a lot of sense to me, seeing how the men's rumble match happened. Um, so I'm not going to go through every single entrance. That's not important. Um, in terms of surprises, um, we get Logan Paul, we get Booker T, and we get um, I don't know. Are those the only two surprises in that match? Logan Paul, Booker T. Those may be the only two people that were not announced pre-show or pre-Royal Rumble, which is fine. Let's understand that, like, I'm I would be a hundred percent fine if they announced all thirty competitors. I'm actually not a big fan of of getting to the Rumble and and having you know fifteen to sixteen, seventeen, eighteen spots taken by, you know, legends or, or new debuts. Now, like, like a debut like a- AJ Styles, that's fine. A return like Edge, that's fine. Uh, Edge, Edge was the other, the, I was going to say there was three. Edge was not announced and he was, he came back. Um, so there were three unannounced superstars that were in the match. Um, pr- before this match started, Pat McAfee came back and they executed this great without telling Corey Graves or Michael Cole that he was going to be there. And from what I read, his plane actually landed 20 minutes before the show started. So during the pre-show, Pat McAfee lands in San Antonio. No one even knows he's there. And when they start the show off, Pat McAfee comes out. And and so the reaction of Michael Cole and Corey Graves is 100% realistic. And I love when we get moments like this. 
That was a huge pop to start the show. It gave energy to start the show. Um, and that that was great. That was a great way to start it. Um, we get Gunther and Sheamus to start the Rumble. And what they did with Gunther in this Rumble completely, to me, like redeems them for not having any of the, the surprises that I thought we were going to have. But let's just let's just make this point clear. Matt Cardona, Jay White, Hikulo, or whatever the fuck his name is, um, any of the other surprises you were hoping on, Rock, John Cena, whatever it was, the only one that I was kind of surprised didn't show up was The Rock. I kind of thought they were bluffing with all of this, right? Um, and so I'm not hurt that there wasn't any surprises because what they did with the 27 stars that were there, right? So Edge, again, built back this story where he's going to have the match with, it's probably going to be Edge and Finn in a match, and then Rhea and, and uh, what the fuck's her name? Uh, Beth Phoenix at Elimination Chamber in Canada, of all places. Edge is definitely going to go over there. Um, and... We'll probably get those two matches on the card, right? And and that'll set set that up. Now I don't see Beth going over, to be honest, because Rhea has you know, and we'll talk about Rhea and, and what happened there. But what they did with the other entrance I mean, outside of Booker T, Booker T was the only person there where I said, Well, uh, that's a waste of a spot. And he was there for the Texas sort of pop, right? And so you got the spinner Rooney, right? You get you get what you want with Booker T, you get him out. He was there for a purpose to get that pop, right? But everybody else in the in the match served a purpose. Right? And so what they did with Gunther making him, you know, an hour and 10 minutes in the match, he see he starts at number 1. He he's the the last one eliminated to end the match. You just made a star out of Gunther, right? Triple H took Gunther and essentially placed him in the main event picture down the line. You treated Gunther the way he should have been treated, with the respect that he deserves as the guy that he was. And there was a time in the match where it was like him, Braun Strowman, Omos, um, right? And they were all like Sheamus, McIntyre, right? And there was just a bunch of what what the name of the, 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 it was basically what the name of the podcast is. It was just a bunch of big men slapping meat, just beating the shit out of each other. I thoroughly enjoyed that part of the rumble. Um, And what they made out of Gunther, Gunther came into this already being liked by the crowd, already being sort of uh, favored with some of the crowd. He was already over, but they took him and just strapped a rocket to his back. And now he's the longest person in not just 30-man rumbles, but rumbles of all time, right? Because the record was Daniel Bryan at Greatest Royal Rumble, where he was in for like an hour and six minutes. And Gunther beat that by almost five minutes. Um, so, I thought that that match was great. It's, it, 
Everyone knew Cody was going to win, right? Him coming out of 30, is that a disappointment? No. It wasn't a disappointment. Because having Jay White doesn't add to the story. He, he wasn't going to win. Right? So why debut Jay White if he's not going to win? Why debut Cardona if he's not going to win? If you're looking at it this way. Would I have loved to have them there? Sure. Absolutely. But I'm not going to be upset that they're not there. So the fact that Cody is the winner and was going to be the winner, I would much rather save a Jay White debut for WrestleMania itself or for something in that way, shape, or form, right? And so I loved it. And then Cody gets in the ring, and they oh, they pulled the trigger the way I wanted them to treat Seth Rollins when it comes to Cody, where he comes in and he says, you're not going to steal my shine again. This is literally what I've been saying they should do. So what do you do? What do you do? This is how I book this. Seth Rollins attacks Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania during his match, setting up a feud at Backlash for Rollins and Cody to have their final match. Cody wins, moves on to the next month at Money in the Bank, and wins Money in the Bank, and then does what the does what the, the the baby face does, does this way of Roman, I'm letting you know I'm coming for your title. Here is here is your warning. At SummerSlam, I'm fighting you for your title. Now I don't know if they've planned where SummerSlam is going to be this year. Um I'm not going to look that up at the moment. But if they could do it somewhere like say Atlanta, where Cody's from, if they could if they could go and do it in Atlanta, Georgia, where Cody sort of lives in the Georgia area, that'd be fucking amazing. Right? I just there's there's story here, right? They created story with this Royal Rumble, which is exactly what they should have done. Now, Triple H, don't take this as me saying you're fantastic. You did very good things with this Rumble match. You did very good things with this Rumble match. There's a, there's four or five storylines. You got the Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio thing. So let's clear up. Uh, basically, what I took from the internet is Rey Mysterio never entered the ring in the 90 seconds he had before Dominic entered and was his music started playing. Therefore, Rey got eliminated essentially by Dominic. Um, for not being in the ring. Now, do they always apply this rule? Not necessarily. Um, but in the end of of things, does it matter that Rey Mysterio didn't enter the Rumble? No. Like my my feeling on this is, who cares? Who cares if Rey Mysterio entered the ring? Or didn't enter the ring. There's a rule there. There's precedent set. I think it was the 1991 Royal Rumble where they described it. I think it happened to Macho Man or something like that. From what I read online. Uh, But at the end of the day, if this is just setting up storyline. And this is how you set up that story of Dominic versus Rey. Then, then leave it at that. Who cares? Rey Mysterio wasn't going to win the Rumble. 
So who cares? Why are we getting so upset about a story? Because that's all this is. They're telling stories. And people take this so personally. It does, and people are going to come back and say, well it, well, it makes us feel like we're done. No, they're not trying to make you think like they're done. There's a literal rule most people don't know about. Would, would it have been better if they explained it on commentary why Rey Mysterio was eliminated? Sure. But at the end of the day, shit, maybe they're planning on show, uh, on sharing that on Monday Night Raw. Maybe Mysterio comes out and, and says, I was never eliminated, and Adam Pearce comes out and explains the rule to him. Who knows what it is, like, like what will happen. But if this leads to Dominic versus Ray and it's a good match, who cares that Ray didn't enter the Rumble match? It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. They still put, they put that feud together. They got Edge, and they got Finn and, and probably going to be in a match. They got Gunther over as hell. And Gunther probably is going to face Braun Strowman again. I don't know where Gunther's going. He stepped up to Brock. He stepped up to Lashley. He stepped up to to um, Braun Strowman, Drew, and Sheamus, right? <clears throat> There's so many things you could do with Gunther, right? Of course, we're probably going to get match three of the Bobby and uh, Brock Lesnar trilogy, and that's going to be a banger, right? So there's so many things they set up here in this men's rumble match that who cares that there weren't any surprises? Why are we why, why are we so dependent as a fan base and all of these surprise legends? And, and let's just think about this. The legends that we want... The Stone Colds and The Rocks and the Mick Foley's and all of these guys, 95% of them are either beaten up to where they can't really move all that well or they're dead. Like, like we don't need surprise entrances every single Rumble. Especially if they're not going to win. Right? So we get this match. Cody wins. Perfect. Perfect way to, to, to run this this from a perfect start to it. That takes a drastic change very quickly with the Mountain Dew pitch black match. Now they tell us on commentary that the only thing we know about this match, we don't know much, but but it, it's it's win by pinfall or submission. So essentially, this is a street fight in the dark. Now from fans that were there, they 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 did what they said what I thought was going to happen. They couldn't see shit. Now, I kind of want to say, well, and it's too bad because this is a TV show. So at the end of the day, the production is more so set towards the TV audience. Um, But this essentially was a street fight sponsored by Mountain Dew with glow-in-the-dark Every, like they had like a black light or a blue light or, or whatever the fuck it's called and everything was glowing and you couldn't really see shit and we had some glitter or whatever the fuck that came off the, the announce table and Bray Wyatt had like glow in the dark like makeup or whatever the fuck it was and he won and it was a boring ass ma- I don't want to say it's boring I hate the word boring when it comes to wrestling it was I was intrigued 
but I was still confused. Because this match was like nothing of what I would have expected it to be. Right? Because I, I went in thinking they have to make this a cinematic match. They could have done this cinematically where you have just like Bray, Bray Wyatt and LA Knight fighting backstage. And, and right. And so during the entrance of, for Bray's entrance, you saw like the, the different uh, uh, puppets like in their, their costumes again. And I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm more confused than I've ever been in the Bray Wyatt situation. I'm more confused with the Bray Wyatt situation now than I have ever been. Like, what in the holy fuck is going on? And and and, and the critique's still the same. You gotta give me some answers. Who the fuck is Mr. Howdy? Like, if this is an actual person, reveal to me who the fuck he is. Like, that spot was cool, but, like, I'm confused as to what the fuck we just saw in this match. What does all of it mean? I get no explanation, and now I have more questions. And then and then you could pull in this match, and you have Howdy jump off of whatever the fuck he jumped off to. The crowd said they couldn't even see the jump. All they saw was the pyro go off. And it was a cool little spot. But at the end of the day, like... 95% of your crowd couldn't even see the match in person or the ones watching it confused as shit. Oh, but you got to wait for the story. No, this was ass, man. This was ass. And I don't care that it took four minutes. I'm not a big fan of people who could critique match time. But I'll at least make the match make sense. Like, if it's a four-minute match and it's just Bray Wyatt beating the shit out of L.A. Knight, then cool. But L.A. Knight and Bray sort of shared the same amount of offense. And then the match just sort of ended. Right? It made no sense. And no one benefited from that match. And then Bray Wyatt's going to go to the press conference and basically sit there and say, like, y'all don't understand the amount of time and pressure or whatever that went into to making this match. No, we don't understand it because you're not fucking telling us, my guy. What the fuck is going on? And that's been my point this entire fucking time. We don't know because you won't explain it. You can't expect the audience to do all the work for you. Tell me what the fuck's going on. Right? If, if, if I had an idea of what the story was and who Mr. Howdy was and what all of it was going on, then maybe I would have enjoyed the match. But you can't just expect me to know everything, especially if I'm like a, a fan that hasn't watched in a while and I see that this is on. Maybe I'm flipping through the, the TV guide on my DirecTV and I, and I purchase this. God forbid that I don't even realize it's on Peacock. Or maybe I'm on Peacock and I see, oh, Royal Rumble's on. I'll tune into that. Right? And then I, I haven't watched in 10 years and now there's this pitch black match that no one... Like, that the hardcore fans don't even know what the fuck is going on. How am I, as a casual fan, supposed to know what's going on? Right? So, we don't know because you won't... You, you haven't explained nothing to us. You haven't given us anything. Right? And then, you transition that to... Straight into Bianca versus Alexa Bliss, where Bianca wins, and I'm still confused with what the fuck happened in that match. 
I don't know. The, these two matches right there to sort of slow the energy down. Those, I'll, I'll say that. Those two parts of the match were shit. Of the, of the show were shit. Those two matches... I, I'm trying to understand the story. But you're not giving me anything. I'm sorry. You're just not. Alright, so we move into... We move into the... The Women's Royal Rumble match. And... Rhea Ripley is number one. Now, at the time when she entered, I didn't have this thought. But holy fuck, this is the woman that is mass predicted to win this thing. Everyone and their mothers predicting Rhea Ripley to win the Women's Royal Rumble, and she's entering number one. Holy fuck, <laughs> what's going to happen? Then you have Liv enter number two. And the same thing as the men's rumble. They built superstars here. They've built some stories. Not as many stories as the men's did. Um, but Rhea Ripley is, of course, we know she won. They built a they built a fucking star out of her. So let's go through some of the, the surprises because there were a bit more uh, surprises in the women's match. Um, I guess the most exciting one is what we're calling uh, Evil Asuka. Her Jap- Japanese gimmick, I think his name is Kana. Now again, to the casual fan, no one's going to know who the fuck that is. And so, part of me just wants to be like, eh, I'm not so excited about it. Because I I don't know who Kana is. I didn't watch Kana. Right? And uh, you're expecting your audience to know who this is. Now, I know that it's the evil side of Asuka, so this is going to be a, a probably a, a better version of Asuka. But outside of the fans that watched her in Japan, like, no one knows who she is in the casual fan base. So, Triple H, you expecting us to know who the fuck she is? Right? And it, cool, yeah, we got evil Asuka here, but... Come on. Like, like the person who hasn't watched wrestling in 10 years and tuned in for the first time, isn't going to know who she is. Do a little bit better job explaining what's going on. Um, Chelsea Green showed up as expected for about three seconds. Uh, You know, I'm not going to complain about it. It is what it is. I mean, she wasn't going to play a role in anything, I don't think. I actually think um, she will be at Vengeance Day on Saturday. Um, in Charlotte to either bring up Toxic Attraction or do something where she she's going to be Mandy Rose's replacement in Toxic Attraction. That's always been sort of my under my opinion on wh- what happened ever since I've seen that she was signing that, that we'll just slide her in to to sort of lead Toxic Attraction. Um, that's where I think is going to happen. Um, trying to think of who else, uh, we had Michelle McCool, which was a cool little thing. Um, Tamina, Natalia, um, I can't think of any more of the unwrecking, I mean, we had some of, a lot of the women's part, right, didn't really play, play. A, a, a role in anything. Um, and I think the main goal of this was just to get Rhea Ripley over. But at the same time, they got Liv Morgan over 
as fuck in this match. Um, the ending of this Women's Royal Rumble was fucking crazy. And before we move on to that, I forgot to mention the Logan Paul spot with Ricochet. Fantastic. Just fantastic. Um, so, um, yeah, we move into the Women's Rumble, and we don't get the surprise. Like, I would have liked the Naomi spot, but I don't think Naomi's actually coming back, if I'm honest. I don't think she's coming back. Um, and so we got Tamina and then the big one that we're ta- everyone's talking about for more than multiple reasons is Nia Jax oh Piper Nevin is one of them Piper Nevin came out which is cool I'm glad that she's no longer Dewdrop and she came back as Piper Nevin I don't know if necessarily it's going to get her more over but at least her name isn't Dewdrop which makes no freaking sense uh, Nikki Cross came out and sort of the uh, uh, sanity type music, so I'm assuming sanity will will be here. Um, but yeah, Nia Jax. So everyone's talking about it for multiple reasons. One, the fact that Nia Jax is back, but two, they sort of botched her entering, um, where they played the music before the countdown started. Which is okay. I mean, I, I'm not going to... It's. Is it a bad detail? Sure. Is it a bot? Sure. But let's just move over. Match is over. We're not, why hound on this? Was it a mistake? Sure. Should someone get fired? I don't know if we should fire them. But you should have a talk. This wouldn't have happened under Vince McMahon. I think that... Well, in a way, it did happen under Vince McMahon. I just think it was an honest mistake. And... Should it happen? No. Not in the grand spectacle of, of the of the industry. But it did happen. And so you learn from it and you get better. Um, but, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's Nia Jax. It's not like it hurt anything. And, and no one's really talking about it, about that bot. Everyone's more so talking about the fact that Nia Jax is back. Um, I'm not that excited about it. I mean... I don't know. I don't know. I just... Um, I, li- I liked the Women's Rumble. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, of course, Rhea went winning. That's wonderful. Where she goes, I have no idea. Because I kind of want to see her face both of them. I want to see her go back and, and, and face Charlotte and sort of do that feud again and, and have her actually beat Charlotte like she should have the first time at Mania. But I also want to have her face Bianca because I think that would be a banger of a match and they've been teasing that a lot more. So I don't know where I'm headed. I kind of want to see Liv versus Charlotte, to be honest with you. Because um, they built Liv up as well here. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, I think Triple H did a very good job. I'll give him his props here. I think Triple H did a very good job of getting people over in this match that needed to either get over or just needed some more boost, right? Like, Liv Morgan was sort of just sitting there not doing much and being in the Rumble for an hour and putting on a pretty decent performance and being the last one eliminated, right? So close to winning, right? So, I think it's fun. I think it's wonderful. And having Rhea do it, that's wonderful. Um, at some point... 
Judgment Day needs some credibility, and I think a women's championship, some gold around their waist, right? Like, there's no reason in the world why, like, Finn and Dominic should be, first off, Finn and Dominic should be the tag team because they're closer in size, um, and, and Damian should be in the world title picture once Roman loses it, and bring some gold to that, fa- that could be a really good faction if they weren't the comedy gimmick as a group, right? If Rhea was beating ass in the women's division and Finn and Dominic could be the more comedic but serious heels, um, this sort of ex-con Dom thing could be funny but also serious and have Damian being serious while still putting in his one-liners he's really good at and, and, and dominating people. I think Judgment Day has that potential to not just be the comedic relief. Um, but I think Triple H did a very good job in the two Rumble matches getting over Gunther and, and, and Liv. And, and for, for both Rumbles, the fact that we had number one make it to the very end in both Rumbles, I think Triple H did, has a lot of respect for a lot of these guys, especially someone like Gunther and Rhea. They're going to be the future of this business eventually. Um, I love it. I love it. And people are so upset about the lack of NXT. The same thing in the women's. Like, Roxanne was only brought up because the Texas sort of pop. Right? She what? right? And, and she did a very good job in this match. Um, Indy Hartwell did okay. Uh, Zoe Stark put up, put up a fight for a few, a couple, 10, 15 minutes. Right? And so, there were, Everyone's like, well, where are the NXT call-ups? There isn't any, it, really anyone ready. And I said this on the preview show. It kind of sucks about the timing because a lot of the people that probably should be caught up, they're fighting on Tuesday or on on Saturday the 4th here in Charlotte at Vengeance Day. Braun and Carmelo and, and Cameron Grimes isn't, but would Cameron Grimes have made a difference being in the Rumble? No. Maybe have him appear somewhere else. I don't know. I just... We don't necessarily need... I don't think... I didn't think there was anyone in particular that would have made the Rumble better had they caught up with this particular person from, from NXT. I'm not upset. You know, I had a lot of guesses on who could be potential surprises. But not having them doesn't hurt the Rumble. Um, we got a lot of stories set up that we could potentially see on the road to Mania, which is essentially what this whole purpose of the pay-per-view is, is to build stories to Mania, right? And then we get to the main event, which we're not really going to talk about the match itself because no one remembers the match. I don't remember the match, and I'm not going to go back and watch the match. You know what I care about? What's Sammy's final test? Well, we found out. Right, so match is over. Roman wins. Now there's a part where Roman has the self down. He's like, "Sammy, ref is out. Get me a chair." And Sammy sort of hesitated. Right, it took him a minute to find the chair, and when he was going to slide it in, he he sort of hesitated, which gave the ref time to get back to his senses. Right, and then Roman eventually wins. They handcuff Kevin to the ropes, beat the living shit out of him. And and I said, I don't know if it was on my preview show, on the preview show with my brother on the Junkyard Podcast, um, I said 
this is a mafia. This is a mafia story with the the island tribe sort of culture, right? This is a this is a gang initiation type thing where we want to see if you're really part of our family. Right? That that's all this is. This is this is, you know, a mafia type story, but instead of the mafia, you have sort of like tribal uh, leadership, right? Right. So it's just a different culture, and and they this is sort of the final test was Sammy. You got to put the death blow to Kevin, and Sammy gets in and says, "Look, Roman, this isn't needed," and so Roman's like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do it. You're going to do it," and instead, in in typical fashion, we all saw this coming from a mile away. I knew Sammy was going to turn. As soon as he got handed the chair, I knew he was hitting Roman. But that's still, like, this segment just solidified to me the bloodline story from the very beginning with the, the recruiting of Jay and the recruiting of Jimmy to to right now and everything in between. I'm not going to go as far as say it's the best story of all time because I wasn't around in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s in the early 90s, and, and I didn't watch in the, right, it's hard to say it's the best story of all time, just like it's hard for me to say Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady's the best quarterback of, of his era, of his generation, right, of the 2000s, 2010s, right, Tom Brady, the 20, the, the 2000s and the 2010s, yes, Tom Brady is the best quarterback of that generation, but but at the same time we were saying in the in the seventies Bradshaw was good and I um um Staubach and and um Unitas and uh, the original Joe Cool I can't think of his fucking name Joe Namath uh right we were saying those were good and in the eighties we were saying Marino and Montana and Steve Young in the nineties right Elway in the nineties. And we were saying those were really good quarterbacks. So, like, I don't – and then same thing with basketball. Like, I think Larry Bird doesn't get the press that he deserved, but I think he was one of the best of the, the 80s, right? And Jordan was one of the best of the 80s and the 90s. Maybe of all time, sure, but it's hard for me to say that because I don't know how Jordan would play in this era or how would Jordan play in the 60s era. Like, no one talks about Bill Russell with 11 championships or how many ever – I think it's 11. Um – Right, Bill Russell uh, and all of them in the sixty. They know people don't. Right, it's hard for me to to rate anyone like the best of all time. I kind of go in like he's the best of this era, right? And so I think this storyline is the best storyline of this PG era, by far the best thing in any wrestling promotion in this era. In the 2010s, 2020s era, this is the best storyline we have ever seen. And considering that I really don't consider myself like a true fan of wrestling up until about 2014, this is the best storyline I've ever seen. Right? This is the best storyline I've ever seen. I'm hooked. It's the only thing when it's on, I'm distraction free. When this, when the bloodline is on TV, I'm a hundred percent distraction free. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not on TikTok. 
not talking to anyone. It's the only thing that I'm 100% distraction-free from. I'm not texting anyone. I'm not on the phone with nobody, right? I'm watching the bloodline because it's such a good story. And then, so we, we lose Sammy, but it's more than that. Because in the process, like it's the minute details. It's the minute details that people may have overlooked. But Roman gets hit in a similar fashion to how he got hit by Seth Rollins, shall we mention. Right? In a very similar fashion. He reacted the exact same. Right? But Sammy hits Roman and he turns around. And in most circumstances, when this happens, when the turn happens... Sammy would have gone off on the bloodline and, and probably started to try to, to hit the bloodline. But instead, understanding the choice that he makes, he turns around and he says to Jay, notice this is very important. He says to Jay Uso, I'm sorry. He doesn't look at Jimmy, which is which is crazy, because if you think about if you think about the progression of the story. When Sammy first sort of joined the bloodline, it was Jay excuse me, it was Jimmy Uso. When Sammy first joined, it was Jimmy Uso who welcomed him with welcome arms. Jay didn't trust him. Jay didn't want him there. Jay was trying to get him kicked out. I think Roman was indifferent. I think Roman just was was just glad to have someone else there to to to, to keep him as champion. Right when when you're in power, I don't think people really recognize who keeps you in power. Like like I, I the idea that he he's the leader, he's the one in charge, he's the one with the power, but he doesn't really recognize who the people who who are in his in his circle that are keeping him in power, right? And so Roman's not really paying attention to all of that, but Jay's sitting there and saying, "I don't trust him. I feel like I feel like he's he he's conspiring against us essentially, right?" And then. Jimmy's the one that sort of like welcomed them with open arms and they're dapping up and they have handshakes and, and they're joking around and then Solo joins and, and Solo has the sort of, we don't really, I, I never really got a read on if Solo trusted him or not. Solo was definitely there as the enforcer and so I think he just did what the tribal chief told him to do and he didn't care, he didn't have any care either way. Right, so in this story, right, then we get to war games, and Sammy and Jay, like Sammy proved to Jay that he's family, and and Jay started to trust him, and we had that hug moment in, at war games in November, the last pay per view, and over the last nine weeks, Jay Uso is the only Uso who stood up for Sammy. This is this is minute details that people don't recognize, but are very important to the telling of the story. So Sammy turns on Roman. Sammy hits Roman. Says, "I'm done. I'm not hitting Kevin. I'm going to hit you." He turns to Jay and Jay alone, and says, "I'm sorry." He doesn't look at Jimmy, his buddy, the dude he's been high fiving and joking around with for the last, you know, six months. He turns to Jay and says, I'm sorry. And in the process of it, staring right in Jay's face, he gets super kicked. He doesn't try to attack the rest of the bloodline. But Jimmy goes to town on him doing what right, you attacked family. Right? So 
Jimmy takes you out and Solo Samoan spikes you. But Jay can't do it. Jay can't attack him. He leaves the ring. We have a new we have a new evolution of the story. That's what makes this story so good. We have a new evolution. Like part of me wants to suggest that this thing could go to SummerSlam. I wasn't joking earlier when I said I think Seth Rollins is going to cost Cody Rhodes the cha- the, the championship at, at at WrestleMania. I think Rollins is going to interfere inter cause interference and cause a DQ in that match. Which will set up a match between Cody and Rollins for the last like not maybe not for the last time ever, but maybe it's winner gets Roman and maybe if Seth win that match and he goes off maybe at Money in the Bank or because Roman has to be at the London show. It's it's a special show. Roman has to be there, right? And then have Cody Rhodes win the Money in the Bank and either have him cash in the same day or he cashes in at SummerSlam with the baby face thing like I've been saying. Who knows where this goes, but I think I think we could potentially have the bloodline till SummerSlam. I thought this ends at Mania. Like, my thought was, this ends at Mania. But I think with this new evolution, with what what's going on with Jay, and he posted on Instagram, like, the idea that I'm out. Bro, this evolution of this story is just so good. And, and that's... Uh, it's obvious. It's 100% obvious to me Triple H is not writing this story. It's 100% obvious to me Paul Heyman is writing this story. And Triple H is smart enough to recognize how good this story is that he's not going to butt into what's going on. He's going to let Paul finish this thing. Because it's great. It's a masterpiece. It is a it gets that chef's kiss of of approval. This is this is the best thing in wrestling right now, probably of the last 10 years, potentially of the last 20 years of wrestling. This story from beginning to end is a fucking masterpiece. If you watch this and say that this is boring, you're a fucking idiot. I don't trust your opinion. If you find this story boring, I'm sorry. What, Roman's not entertaining enough for you because he's not flipping? Come on now. This is the greatest fucking thing in wrestling. And we have so many people shitting on it. Because they're t- and what it is, is it's the Roman haters. Right? And, 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 and this is a beautiful example on how to create a baby face. That the company can get right. Sami Zayn at this point last year, was preparing to fight, and Roman mentioned this, Johnny Knoxville. Right? Roman said, if you want to be either on the ring with us or go back to doing jackass shit. Right? That story, this story, from beginning to end, all the evolutions, all the swerves, beautiful, beautiful story. 
And I, ah, oh, man, I can't wait to see what happens with Jay. I kind of wish that, I don't think they'll be at Raw. I honestly, I think, in my opinion, I think Jay, I don't think he's out. I don't think he's out, out. I think he's going to leave. I think, I think he'll be gone till after Chamber. And when Chamber's over, I think he'll come back. And maybe he'll have to have a, a prove it to me match. Uh, that you're that you're actually family, um, or something like that. I don't know, but what happens with Jay is going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to be the 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 six way that everyone thinks is going to be with Owens, Sammy, and Jay versus the other three in the bloodline. I don't think it's going to be that. I think Jay is gone for a few months, um, and we'll see him after Elimination Chamber. Not a month, a few weeks, about three weeks. That he'll be off of TV while we set up Chamber and we go through Chamber. And I think eventually Jimmy and Roman will get Jay back into the bloodline. And I, I, that's what my hope is, at least. Um, but whatever whatever happens, I'm here for it. I'm ready to watch it. I think this is so fucking great. I'm, I'm eating this up. Out of five, this pay-per-view, I'll... Um, out of five, the main event, the Roman Reigns segment is a five. Without a fucking doubt, a five. Um, um, the men's rumble, I'll give it a four and a half. Uh, the women's rumble, I think, will be a four. Um... So like if we're if we're actually doing like calculations, um, so we got a five for the Roman segment segment and match in a whole. We got one more part that I haven't talked about, um, but I'm not going to put that in my ranking. Um, the two Rumble matches, one's a four and a half, one's a four. Uh, Alexa, we'll give it like a two, and Bray Wyatt. I'm not going to give it like a zero, but I'll, I'll give it like a I'll give it like a two. I thought the match itself was okay. I just wish I knew what was going on with the story. I'm not going to say it's 100% awful. So, out of 25... uh, 17 and a half out of 25. So, it's a 7 out of 10. Uh, 7 out of 10, so that's 70%. Of five, so it's a th- basically a a three point five out of five. I don't want to do it that low, but the, the the Bray Wyatt and the Alexa Bliss match just brought down the show. Everything outside of that is like a, a four or a five, like it's right. And then you, the one part we didn't talk about was the Hardy performance. I knew it wasn't going to be anything the crowd would appreciate. I'll just tell you this. I'm not going to sit here and defend the performance because I don't think it was the greatest thing ever in a live setting. Um, it did not benefit Hardy that Pat McAfee, I don't even know if it was intentional or not, but his mic was on and he was sitting there screaming the lyrics. Did not benefit Hardy at all with that. Um, but... I'll tell you this. If Go and listen to The Mockingbird and the Crow by Hardy. I'm not going to sit here and review the album for you. I've listened to it a, quite a bit. It's one of my favorite albums recently released. Um, but if you're a country or like a rock fan, 
I think listening to the actual album will 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 let you know that Hardy's an actually really good musician and a hell of a songwriter. Um, and I, don't let this performance sort of like because I'm seeing everywhere like oh this is Kid Rock off a of wish or he's he's a wanna be this or a wanna no this dude is legit. He's legit, uber talented. If you're a country fan, like so many of the songs that are on the radio or are popular in our in, in country music, um, if you look at the writers, you'll probably see the name Michael Hardy, which is Hardy. Um, so, um, I, I wasn't a big fan necessarily of the performance, but I also think he didn't perform any of the good songs from the album. Um, sold Out is okay, but I, I'm just confused as to why that was the anthem of the pay-per-view anyway. Because it has nothing to do with um, Royal Rumble. Um, and I get it's all promotion and everything, but yeah, I don't think it was bad. I just, it is what it is, right? Live performances are hit and miss. Um, but yeah, that's Royal Rumble. I enjoyed it. I'm going to up my rank. I know my, the averages of my ranking say three and a half out of five. I'm going to say it's a four out of five. Four out of five, you know, that B-plus pay-per-view. I thought it was better than originally. Looking at the card coming into it, I was like, I don't know how this, this could be pretty bad, right? But I thought the Rumble matches hit 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 the spot and Rome Romans that whole segment. I wish I was there live for the pop when Sammy hit Roman with the chair. Cause from what I've been told that could have been bigger than the Hardy's pop at WrestleMania 33, which I was there live for. And that stadium was shaking. So I wish I was there live for that. Sammy Zayn is now the biggest baby face in the company. I know we got Cody back, but Sammy Zayn is the biggest organically built babyface in the company and maybe in all of wrestling right now. Um, so I just, uh, I love it. I love everything we got yesterday. And it's outside of the Bray Wyatt. Explain to me the Bray Wyatt thing. I'm never going to understand it. The IWC loves it, but I'm never going to understand it until they tell me what's going on. Um, but outside of the Bray Wyatt part of the show, the rumbles hit, the bloodline hits like it always does. Fantastic show. Check back in. Um, as I'm finishing recording this, we've gone about an hour now. Um, as I'm finishing recording this, it is now officially Monday morning, about 12 a.m. Um, uh, so tune in Monday night after uh, Raw. And, uh, we will, um, we will, uh, do this episode or do our raw review, preview, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Our raw review for, um, tomorrow night's raw. I can't wait for it. The, the aftermath of Royal Rumble live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, yeah. So y'all have a great rest of your night. I'll see you on tomorrow's episode.